Welcome to Minding the Forest, a podcast of the Louisiana Forestry Association. Hello, I'm Jeff Zarang, media specialist for the Louisiana Forestry Association and host of Minding the Forest. Our podcast focuses on sustainable forestry, how important forests are to Louisiana and its economy, and how forests benefit everyone. Minding the Forest episodes also include important issues to the forest industry. And today, we talk with Jack McFarland, a master logger and state representative from Winfield, for a two-part series, Reform and Revenue. In the upcoming session of the Louisiana Legislature, legislators may consider a bill to reform how money is spent in the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development, as well as proposing a tax on fuels. At the recording of this podcast, such a bill has not been introduced. Also, by releasing this podcast, the Louisiana Forestry Association is neither supporting nor opposing such legislation. This podcast is being released only to inform LFA members and the public. Let's begin part one, reform first. We have with us today Jack McFarlane, who is uh, a logger, owns his own business, has been logging for how many years, Jack? Uh, since 1997. Actually, I've had my business since 97. I've been in the logging industry uh, as an employee since 1993. We appreciate you joining us. Also, you are state representative. You're in your second term, is that correct? In my second term, I'm a chairman of Ag and Forestry as well as a member of Appropriations. I represent District 13, which is Wynn, Jackson, Bienville, and part of Washita. We had had a story in Forest and People magazine. We also ran that in the recent issue of the Louisiana Logger, and it pertains to a fuel tax. In that article, you and I talked about some of the impressions uh, that people have, certainly I had, uh, with DOTD and how it operated and money and things of that nature. So let's talk a little bit about the history of how DOTD has changed. Okay. What we're working on is not not just a gas tax or a revenue-raising measure. We're talking about reforming one of the largest state agencies, rolling back their spending, and holding them accountable, just as the taxpayers hold us as legislators accountable at each election. So this does much more than just generate revenue. It actually reforms one of the largest state agencies that's never, ever, since 1984, when the last gas revenue was proposed and passed, has been reformed. But three years ago, actually it goes back to four years ago, my first year on appropriations, I'm back on appropriations, in addition to being chairman of Ag and Forestry. But as a member of appropriations, we quickly identified why was state police being allowed to take revenue from the Transportation Trust Fund? If the Transportation Trust Fund was created in 1984, and a gas tax was passed, that was intended, as you and I would believe, for roads and bridges. But the legislatures, prior to um, my election, had taken $72 million a year from the Transportation Trust Fund to fund the state police. So if you look at just, say, the eight years prior to my election, that's almost $600 million. If you go back even further... And, and I can't go all of the administrations, the governor's administrations we've had, because under the Foster administration, the law was proposed to be changed, but they never did it fiscally. They said, hey, we don't think we should do this, but we're going to continue to do it. 
I have to give Governor Kathleen Blanco credit. Uh, she didn't do that in her budgeting, and they they stopped it. Then under Jindal's administration, they went back to doing it again. So if you look back over the last three and a half decades, almost four decades that this Transportation Trust Fund has been around, you've had multiple administrations, the majority of them with the exception of four, maybe eight years, that they didn't take money out of the Transportation Trust Fund to fund state police. Now, you start thinking about how many millions of dollars that is over the several decades. And, it's you know, you start adding these things together and you start identifying even Office of Motor Vehicles. At one point, they were taking money from Transportation Trust Fund to fund that. So we put a constitutional amendment on the ballot in 2017. And in 2017, the voters agreed with us that we do not want to allow state police to draw funds from the Transportation Trust Fund. So today we don't allow that. But we went one step further. We said, look, if there's ever going to be any new revenue or if we can even take revenue that currently exists, we think we need to be managing it more wisely and appropriately as it was intended. So we went to the voters and said, hey, we want a constitutional amendment to create the Transportation Subfund. And I like to call it a lockbox because you're locking the taxpayer's money in there and it specifically says you can only construct and preserve bridge and bridges and roads. And as well, it specifically says you can uh, not use that money for or ordinary operating expenses of DOTD. So we went a step further. For the last four years, we've been working on this in steps. It's been a, a slow progression to reform DOTD. And what we're proposing, Jeff, is... Uh, I believe is what, like in music, it's the grand finale. We're bringing everything we've been working on, and we're going to present it, and we're going to see if everyone agrees that it's time that we take and make a, a effort to build our roads and bridges, make that investment into our state, at the same time doing what the public has expected us to do for decades but now we're finally enacting it in law. It seems as though it's been sort of a shell game as to how to find money for this and money for that for the, for the different departments in, in the state. Oh, that's definitely that's true. Changing. Look, so every year we do House Bill 2, which is a capital outlay. Currently, no less than 35% of that money is going to the highway transportation program. And you're sitting here, wait a minute, that's not a, that's not a gas tax. That is money coming out of our, our general fund that is being used to fund highway priority program. Now, when I say no less than 35%, you say how much How much in dollars does that account for? Well, around 100 to $125 million a year minimum, and as much as $237 million has been spent, that's about 60% of our transportation, I'm sorry, of our capital outlay has been on transportation projects. We're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And you say, well, what was capital outlay intended for? Yeah, that's, that is a question because it has been customary, I guess, understanding is capital outlay is to build anything. But capital outlay was intended for deferred maintenance of public buildings. That includes college campuses. That includes state buildings. Um, it was intended to assist our local governments with rural water systems, with their local municipal water systems, with sewer systems. It was intended to be utilized for what we're saying, capital outlay, projects that were within the state's guidelines. 
never was intended to be used to fund our state highway priority program. But when you're not managing the money from the Transportation Trust Fund correctly, then this is what happens. Look, let's go back to the Transportation Trust Fund now and where is that money going? The original 16 cents of gas tax. Well, four cents is going to debt. I mean, I didn't create that debt. When I was elected, that debt was already created. The four cent going to debt, is that just general state debt or is that specifically for transportation? Specifically for transportation trust fund. Any debt associated with the transportation department. And that's probably roads that's been bonded out and bridges and other things that's been bonded out through the years. You have more than a cent, almost a cent and a half that goes to retirement to people that have worked for DOTD through the decades and um, not for those that's currently working for DOTD, but just for those who've already retired. You have about one and a half cents that goes to multimodal transportation, which is railroads, airports, our water ports. And look, let's just talk about that. Our water ports. I mean, we got the Mississippi River. We got the Red River. We got the Washita River. You look at our port and our water uh, infrastructure system. Currently, we have the second largest port in the nation. Currently, we are dredging the Mississippi River five foot more in depth to allow larger containers to get into the Mississippi. By doing that, New Orleans will have the largest port in the nation and the second largest port in the world. You're talking about more product that's going to be coming in and out of Louisiana. If we don't have the infrastructure, and when I say the infrastructure, I'm talking about roads and bridges. Right. In this state, how are we going to import and export those goods and products? Now, look, think about the agricultural department in this state. Look how much rice, soybean, cotton, all these things that are exported out of Louisiana, not just out of the nation, but out of Louisiana. Look at the corn. Look at the timber. We have a wonderful opportunity. But to do that, we have to get that product to New Orleans to export it. And at the same time, those goods and services going throughout our country are going to flow through Louisiana. So currently, I don't think we're prepared for the amount of product that's going to be coming in and out of Louisiana as the largest port, not just in the nation, but also potentially in the world, just by making a significant investment in our future. That sounds wonderful. And for people who watch economic development trends and things of that nature. It's it's at the least fascinating to to see that potential. When it comes down to it, though, I think the average Louisianan is not necessarily looking at that. They're looking at, you know, how bad the road is on my way to work. Or for businesses like yourself, you know, how far do I have to go around this bridge because mm-hmm. the weight has been lowered and I can't get through that particular route. That was one of the examples that you and I talked about for the story before some people. That's right. You had to go 30 miles around in order to get the volume of wood on time to the mill that you plan on. You had to hire another truck that cost you another $2,500 a week. That's right. That's correct. So not only are we doing that as business and industry and not just as timber, but in, in any agricultural product and even in any manufacturer. But now you got the mom and dads. I mean, you got a mom who's taking their child to school, who's also going to work, who's going to grocery shop. And in rural area, like I represent, you think about my rural area, it has over 5,000 miles of rural state highway. Think about the number of mom and dads who are traveling 20, 30, 40, 50 miles to go to work. 
But that's been increased because now you have bridges closed. Now, if you think about the businesses, if you look and I have 539 bridges and 102 of them are deficient, 20% of all my bridges are, are considered deficient. Some are so deficient that not even a school bus is allowed to cross them. We're allowing five tons or less, which you're pretty much saying a one ton pickup can drive across it, but that's about it. Now, when you start putting that in perspective, look at the amount of money and time that our mom and dads and our businesses are spending driving to go around bridges that are closed or either deemed deficient. Well, if you can't get a school bus across it, then you're going to add to the miles for bus drivers just to get kids to and from their destinations. Which increases your local cost on your school board to operate that bus. It's a domino effect, Jeff. Everything we're doing is hindering ourselves one step further. The average family per automobile vehicle or automobile spends twelve to $1,400 a year in maintenance. That's unscheduled maintenance. That is for shocks and brakes and struts and tires and wheels that have been damaged by deficient roads and bridges. You start adding it up, Louisiana has done a poor job. We owe it to our citizens, I owe it to my constituents, to do a better job. That's why I believe now I'm putting together a package of reforming DOTD as it currently exists and rolling back that spending, taking some of that money back from them, not allowing them to get into that HB2 and take money that was not intended for them to be spending. All these things have to be done together for me to ask the public to invest more into their roads. So that's why I think it's a priority for me to do the reform measures at the same time I'm asking the public to make this investment into better roads and bridges. Okay, let's talk about the specifics of your proposal now. Now, the reform part you've, you've mentioned, mm-hmm. and that deals with not allowing capital outlay money to be used for transportation funds. So right. So that's when, one thing that takes money away from what Louisiana does to pay for its transportation. Uh, that's right. Or infrastructure costs. Rather. And it puts that money back where it was intended. I mean, if you start looking at your local governments and I mean, think about your municipalities and even your small villages. If you travel through my district, I have multiple small villages that are in need because they don't generate enough money in property taxes to fund their water systems, to fund their sewer systems. They... They have to have state assistance. Well, that's where capital outlay was created, was to assist those individuals in funding those systems. Well, we hadn't been able to do that, but what if we can now? I mean, we don't want to be another Detroit and pumping uh, lead water into our school systems. We want to know that we have the ability to fund the water systems. That's where capital outlay comes in. Now, that's just one piece of the reform. If you start looking at the rest of it, we want to take back four cents of our existing 16 cent tax and shift it over to the transportation sub fund to make sure it's spent correctly to spent to be spent the way we intended it so that if dotd has to grow if it needs money it has to come to the legislature and ask for it just like we require ldh department of public and safety department of corrections all these other agencies have to come to the state appropriations and finance committees and ask for that revenue. We want to do the same thing. We want to create transparency. We want to put a transparency piece in here so that the public at any time can go onto a DOTD website and see where the money is going. They can see when a road or bridge is scheduled to be rebuilt, 
whether the money is state or federal funded and at what percentages. This has never been done in Louisiana. It's being done, and everybody compares us to Texas and Arkansas. I mean, look at Texas. Texas is identifying these things. They're already beginning, but we want to go one step further. Texas doesn't tell you when it's going to be done. We want to tell you when that road's going to be done. We want to tell you where the money's coming from, and uh, we want to go a little bit further with it. We're also instituting some audit measures. We think we should do a better job of auditing for efficiencies in DOTD. Isn't it already done through the Legislative Auditor's Office? It is audited, but it is not audited to the forensic level that we would like to go. We would like to take it one step further so that those findings are brought back before an independent committee, a review committee made up of businesses and citizens who sit down and look, not just as legislators, but private citizens and businesses that look at those audits identify those efficiencies that are being proposed by the legislative auditor, and then bring those recommendations to the legislature. So if there's corrections that need to be made, we're making them, because right now that's not happening. Historically, the legislative auditor has been responsible for auditing the state's agencies and departments and things of that nature, where state spending occurs. But it's only to determine whether you haven't broken any laws in spending. Your bid process is correct. The revenue that is earmarked for a particular uh, area that is only spent in that area. So it's not really subjective. And it sounds like what you're talking about is you're going to do an audit for this department. And subjectively, this panel Mm -hmm. will say, hey, you didn't break the law. That's fine. That's great. But why'd you spend this money on that? That's correct. What we're doing is we're making a proposal to look specifically for efficiencies. And look, we've done this in other agencies. We've asked the legislative auditor to more specifically to do this in LDH and look at the proposals he brings every year. We've asked him to do this in several estate agencies, but never in this method in DOTD. So we want to institute that language in the bill as well. And then not only bring these recommendations for efficiencies and the findings that he's he, his, in his proposals, but to put them before a review committee and to have some accountability for it. And so that those audits are presented to the legislature along with recommendations from, like I said, not just businesses, not just our citizens, but to our legislators for proposals on how to change DOTD as we progress moving forward. So I think what we're actually proposing is something that's unique. Yes, we uh, legislative auditor has done this in other agencies, but he's never done it in DOTD in this manner. It would seem that you are likely to get some pushback from DOTD in, in that anytime someone wishes to change, there is some pushback. There's change. People don't like that. How do you get to uh, address that? Well, Jeff, I have to remind you, I have to answer to the taxpayer who votes every day. The individuals that work in DOTD are appointed by the governor. So I'm held accountable to the citizens who elect me. So I'm going to do my job as they've elected me. Thank you for listening to Minding the Forest, a podcast of the Louisiana Forestry Association. This concludes part one of a two-part series, Reform and Revenue, with State Representative Jack McFarland, who also is a master logger from Winfield. Next time, he will talk more about specifics concerning the revenue side, a proposed fuel tax. As a reminder to our listeners, a final bill proposal had not been developed at the recording of this program. Also, the Louisiana Forestry Association is neither supporting nor opposing such legislation. 
This podcast is being released only to inform LFA members and the public. If you'd like to learn more about sustainable forestry, the LFA and its programs, and how you can be part of an organization that supports landowners, loggers, and wood manufacturers in the state, go to laforestry.com. Remember, at the Louisiana Forestry Association, we're mining the forest for you.